Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Brighton and Hove Albion. Saturday, 9th of April 2022. Kickoff, 3 pm. The contents official voice around Arsenal. Sustainability. Player feature Cedric Suarez. History. Community voice, supporters voice, Academy Young Gun, around the Academy, Arsenal Women, visitors Brighton and Hove Albion, match action, Arsenal versus Liverpool FC, match action, Arsenal versus Aston Villa FC, match action, Arsenal versus Crystal Palace FC, and teams. Official voice, Mikel Arteta. Every issue, we hear exclusively from significant figures at the club on our official voice pages of the programme. Today, we feature manager Mikel Arteta, who spoke to us shortly after celebrating his 40th birthday on March 26th. When I went into management, I had a clear vision of what I wanted to accomplish with Arsenal. I wanted to build a winning team that was also financially sustainable and that could transmit the values, the identity and the passion that the club has been known for over the years. To do that, we had to make some bold decisions and get the club moving in the right direction quickly, but also make sure we could achieve that in the long term too. Along the way, there have been some very difficult decisions to make. First of all, you need to come up with a plan of how you want to do it. You have to have a lot of support from within the club, and then the decisions need to be right. Until now, I think one of the biggest successes has been to create, as a club, a culture and atmosphere where our players and our staff feel they can fulfil their potential and can develop. It's a place where they can grow and participate. Everyone can add value to the club. When you get that, you create a real sense of belonging, and that's something more powerful than just personal interest. I think that's been one of our biggest wins so far. When I think back 20 years to when I was a young player myself, I had to adapt as well. On the journey throughout my career, whether as a player or a manager, I've had to adapt. You have to go into an environment and be bold and determined to give what you can. When I was 20, it was a big challenge to move away from my country without speaking the language. I went into a team at PSG that was full of stars but I had a coach, Luis Fernandez, who lifted me and gave me an amazing opportunity. Then you have to have the personality and character to impose yourself and grab it. I remember what it was like for me back then when I deal with young players now. 
there are several factors that you need to succeed. Firstly, you need the manager and the club to believe in you and give you the opportunity. I think you need some senior players around you to set the standards and a good example. They can guide you, protect you, encourage you and turn the fears that you can have at that age into confidence. Then it's up to you to have the personality, the hunger and the passion to retain that level. If you analyse the profile of our squad now, you see it's the youngest squad in the league. When you realise that, you analyse how to maximise that potential. As a manager, you know you'll have some restrictions and some bills to pay when you have young players. They can make mistakes, and the first time they do that, you don't know how they'll react. At 28 or 30, they've already made those mistakes, and you know what they need. With younger players, it's more complicated, and you need the coaching staff, the supporters, everybody around the club to be more supportive when those moments arrive. You have to be aligned to give the players the right environment and protection, and sometimes the right push. That's necessary. Obviously, before we sign them, we do a lot of work to understand whether they can adapt and evolve in our culture, and if they have the qualities they need to be successful in our team. There are some big challenges at that age. Playing in a faster league, one of the more difficult leagues in the world, is a different challenge depending on where you've come from but also it's about how much work they put in to make that adaption. They might not speak English when they arrive, but what can you do in a month or two months? They might say it's difficult for me, but how much are you really trying? Because for me, the language is an absolute basic. It's the platform for everything. If you can't communicate, you can't make yourself understandable or noticeable. You can't create your figure within the dressing room and the club without being able to communicate. It's impossible. So I always put a lot of emphasis on players when they arrive. The first thing is you have to learn the language. You have to be able to communicate. That's whether you're coming from the academy or not. It doesn't matter. You have to be able to talk with your teammates. It's something we talk about because, in my opinion, it's a key to success. By the time I was 30, I was already thinking about becoming a manager after my playing career. In fact, I started to think like that when I was 27 or 28. I was doing my coaching badges and I had that feeling that my body would start demanding very soon for me to start understanding the game from a different point of view. So, although I had started thinking about coaching, at that time I was still very much a player and loving the great moments we had. When I think back to how it compares to enjoy a big win as a player or as a manager, there are differences. Personally, The nicest moment after any big win is the atmosphere in the dressing room. How you interact with the players, the emotion, the adrenaline, the togetherness. That's unique, and I think it's what players miss when they stop. As a manager, you have that emotion, the passion. But there's also that relief there sometimes. The feeling to be able to make your supporters really happy is very, very special. At the end, that's what the job is all about. We can make you feel connected with us. And when you're all with us, it's like you're adding another engine to our boat to make it more efficient and even faster. When you feel that their participation leads to a huge improvement for the team, that's when you feel fulfilled as a manager. But as a manager, you're also thinking about the players that haven't had any game time. You think about how the players who weren't involved in the game are feeling and you want to look after them as well. You want to have everybody on board and remind them how important they are for the team. At the same time, you're thinking, OK, I need to prepare for the next match. 
how am I going to do that? So it's non-stop as a manager. I never had a specific timeline in mind about when I wanted to become a manager after playing. It happened really quickly in the end because before I'd even got my badges, I'd had a call from Pep to work on a project and start my coaching career next to him. Then I knew I wanted to be a head coach. I wanted to be a manager and I had a few opportunities before the Arsenal one came. But I had that feeling since I was a player here that one day I would love to manage this club and then I was obviously grateful to do so. I know I'm the youngest manager in the Premier League, but honestly, I don't really think about that. Because for me, age is relative. It's relative for me as a manager, and also for the way I look at players. For me, when people say someone has a lot of experience, what does that mean? Experience of what kind? That's what is more relevant. So how much experience do I have? A lot or a little? I don't know, because I've been in this league for 20 years. Even though I'm Spanish, I have more experience than other people do of this country. I've lived here. I understand the league, the culture, the players. So, I don't know. I just feel lucky to be part of this club. Especially at this moment. Especially now when I feel there is a real sense of unity and energy. When I visualise the club, and when I see the Emirates, I see energy and direction. I see we're connected as a club, and that empowers me and gives me the energy to say, We can do this, and we believe. I turned 40 last month, and I can tell you I feel really young, because I'm surrounded by a lot of young people here. The players are younger than me, of course, but some of the people I work with at the club as well are older than me, and they have all the right responsibilities at the club. So I'm surrounded by a lot of young energy, a lot of enthusiasm, as well as people with more experience, so it's a good mixture. I feel like I'm in the prime of my life, I have three beautiful kids who are growing up. I have a wife who I'm totally in love with and a family who are always there for me in the difficult moments. I'm very lucky as well because I have a lot of good friends that I've made through football in the early stages of my life and they know who I am and what I'm like and I can trust them. So I would say I have a really stable but exciting life. I have enough adrenaline and unpredictability But at the same time, I have a family base and emotional support that I think is required at this stage in your life. You need a lot of energy in this job. When you come through the door each morning, you're going to be tested. You go through the scanner of everyone's eyes when you're at Colney or the Emirates. You need to be yourself, and I want people to understand that if I'm here, it's because I think I can give the best of myself for the club. That's by showing the passion, the energy and the immense feeling of gratitude and clear direction of where I want to go. Because if you don't have that, you'll get found out very quickly. Finally, I want to thank you all for the birthday messages I received last month. I spent a good time celebrating with my family and then came back to work. Let's keep pushing forward together. Thanks for your support. Around Arsenal, Leah de Williamson. Congratulations to Leah Williamson, who has been named captain of England for this summer's European Championships. After handing Leah the armband for a number of recent matches in Steph Houghton's absence, including the victorious Arnold Clark Cup, head coach Serena Weichmann confirmed that the 25-year-old would have the honour for the home tournament this summer. Leah has been a great leader for us, and I know she will continue to set the example we need 
in her work on and off the pitch, said Weichmann. Leah was understandably thrilled to be confirmed as the leader of the Lionesses. I'm not sure it'll ever sink in. I think it's the biggest honour in football, she told EnglandFootball.com. It's been very special to even have my name associated with it, and it's something I'll never take for granted. Serena called me in just before lunch yesterday, Monday, and just asked me. She told me her plans and asked if I wanted to step into the role. I responded with a nervous laugh. She doesn't make it a massive thing, but I like it that way, and I obviously accept it. Steph Houghton is one of this country's all-time greats, and to follow in her footsteps and all those special names who have led the team in the past means so much, continued the Arsenal central defender who has frequently operated in defensive midfield for England. The main thing for me is performing on the pitch and making sure I do what I need to do there and then make everyone comfortable because this is a team full of leaders and I don't think anyone needs me to come in and be anything other than I've been. Congratulations, Leah. We are all so proud of you. Fan Flag Debut Today Our new crowd surfer, featuring the names of thousands of Arsenal members, will make its debut at Emirates Stadium today. Our North Bank flag measures at 20 by 30 metres and features the names of more than 10,000 Arsenal members who have chosen to have their names stitched onto the fabric of the club through My Arsenal Rewards. This is our way of saying thank you for your incredible support, whether you live within a 10-minute walk of Emirates Stadium or on the other side of the world. The flag will be unveiled ahead of kickoff today. If you're not at the game, stay tuned to our social media channels to see it in action. Not an Arsenal member? Find out how you can join today to enjoy unique member benefits, including access to My Arsenal Rewards, by going to www.arsenal.com forward slash membership. My Arsenal Rewards Winners Congratulations to the winners of the My Arsenal Rewards Hospitality Box and Prize Draw, who attended the recent home game against Leicester City. Not only did the group witness an excellent 2-0 win for the Gunners, but they also received complimentary pre-match food and drink. Mikel, Manager of the Month Congratulations to Mikel Arteta on winning the Barclays Premier League Manager of the Month award for March. Presiding over three wins out of four games, the boss topped a five-man shortlist, beating Antonio Conte, Jurgen Klopp, Brendan Rodgers and Thomas Tuchel after votes from the public were combined with those of a panel of football experts. After being presented with the trophy at our London Colney training ground, Arteta was quick to acknowledge the contribution of others. Obviously, it gives me a sense of pride because I know how difficult it is to do it in this league, said the boss on receiving the award for a second time. But we have done that not only with our coaching staff, but all the staff that are here at Colney. Obviously, the players too have to perform and win football matches in order to be recognised for that, and especially to our supporters. For the way they have transformed the team, they deserve a lot of credit. My gratitude goes to everybody who helps in their way, and in the best possible way, to try to win football matches, which is the reason why we are here. As you can see, Mikel insisted on making sure every member of staff was on hand for a photo opportunity up at London Colney to celebrate the award.
In an, in an excellent month for the Gunners, Biyako Saka was nominated for the Player of the Month award and Gabriel Martinelli's superb strike at Watford made the shortlist for Goal of the Month. Thomas takes award. Congratulations to Thomas Party, who was voted our Player of the Month for March. The poll on Arsenal.com saw Thomas pip Biyako Saka to top spot with Martin Odegaard finishing third. Thomas played every minute of our four matches in March, scoring in the 2-0 win over Leicester. Platinum members, renewals are now open. As we build towards an exciting finish to the season, we're pleased to confirm that Platinum membership renewals is now open for season 2022-23. Check your inbox for the unique link to your personalised presentation, which has been sent to the email address registered to your membership. There you will find full details of your season 2022-23 renewal, including the payment breakdown. Please let us know as soon as possible if you have not received your link. New for this season, the price of your 2022-23 membership renewal is made up of an initial payment, which is payable now, and an additional charge, which may be payable in due course. The initial payment covers all men's first team Premier League Emirates FA Cup and Carabao Cup home matches for season 2022-23. An additional charge will be payable at the end of season 2021-22 if the men's first team qualify for Europe. The additional charge will cover all European competition men's first team home matches for season 2022-23 and the amount payable will depend on which European competition we will compete in next season. The deadline to make your initial Platinum Membership Renewal payment is 5pm UK next Wednesday, April 13th. Please note, Renewals is not yet open for Platinum members on a one-year seat deal. The Platinum Memberships team will be in touch in May 2022 to discuss club-level seat availability for season 2022-23. We're here to help. Visit Highbury or Royal Oak today where the Platinum Memberships team will be happy to answer any questions you may have. We look forward to welcoming you back to the club next season and keeping the support strong. Stop Press Our rescheduled WSL fixture against Tottenham will take place at Emirates on Wednesday, May 4th, kick-off 7.15pm. All previously purchased tickets remain valid. The digital ticket sent via email at the time of the purchase should be used to gain entry. Ticket holders will be emailed with details of how to request a refund if they are unable to attend the game. Tickets remain available for this game, priced at £12 for adults and £6 for concessions. Club-level seating, including a half-time drink and a programme, is also available for £35 for adults and £17.50 for concessions. Peter Barnes the club was saddened to hear of the recent death of Peter Barnes, a well-known figure in football administration in London, who worked alongside many Arsenal staff members over the years. Peter was a former club secretary at Leighton Orient, Tottenham and West Ham, and also worked for Crystal Palace. He was also a member of the FA Council for over 20 years. Our thoughts are with Peter's family and friends. Valerie Young October 30th, 1939 to March 9th, 2022. It is with deep regret that the club learned of the recent death of Valerie Young. Val was an employee of the club in the warehouse department. 
between 1999 and 2004 and took great pride in dealing with the most difficult parcels, ensuring they were perfectly wrapped so that they got to their destination in pristine condition. Val was also a season ticket holder for over 50 years with her husband Arthur, who worked on our ground staff for 34 years. The club would like to extend sincere sympathies to Arthur, children Vanessa, Julie, Leslie and Sandra and their extended family and friends. Notice board. Totalizer £1,220. A big Arsenal welcome to Ishan, who is at the game today. Enjoy. We love you, Harry. Enjoy watching Arsenal at Emirates and sing like crazy. Say hello to Grace. Love Trixie and Allbrain. Happy 7th birthday, Harry Armstrong. Have a fantastic day. Come on, you gunners. Love Mummy, Daddy and Evie. Happy 30th birthday to season ticket holder and gooner through and through Joe Kamaski. Love from all the family. Congratulations John and Barbara who are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. Love and best wishes from family and friends. Happy birthday wishes Claire celebrating her 50th birthday on her first visit to Emirates. Love Dave, Tegan and Kiwi. Happy 7th birthday Finley. Enjoy your first ever Arsenal match. Love Mum, Dad and Amelia. Happy 60th birthday, Andy Hall. Have the best day. Forever Aguna. Love, Glennis. Happy 21st birthday, George Heath. Enjoy your day and match. Love, Mum and Dad. A big Emirates welcome to Louis Jack Quick here from Oxford with his friend Jaden Johnson. Happy birthday, John Thornton. Have a great day and enjoy the game. Love Mum, Rob, Laura and Glenn. Happy 18th birthday, Lara Perry. From Dad, James, both lifelong gooners. Come on, you gunners. Happy 16th birthday, Kane. Enjoy the match. Love Mum, Troy, Grandad, Marianne, Auntie Corrine and Carol. Olivia Palmer of Tombridge, Kent. Enjoy your first visit to Arsenal. Love Mum, Dad, Hannah, Emma, Grandad, Bomp and Nana. Happy birthday, Freddie Smith, 20 today. May your future endeavours be as successful as your namesake. Love mum, dad and girls. Happy 80th birthday to my dad, Martin Brigoli, a lifelong Arsenal fan and the reason I'm a gooner. Have a great day. Love, Mark. Lee and Caroline, congratulations on tying the knot. Love Lewis, Ian, Phil and Caroline. Welcome Dennis Murren over from Holland for today's match. Enjoy the game from Tim. All the best on your 50th birthday, Mark. Love from your Thur Kettle and Conti family in Essex and Jersey. Wishing Glenn Lambard 50 years young. Love from all the family. Alan Mumford celebrates his 89th birthday here today alongside his daughters and granddaughter. He's attended Arsenal games since 1945. Happy birthday, Archie, from Kellen and Liam. Arsenal remembers. William McElroy, aged 81. Lifelong fan who loved Arsenal. He helped the England set up in 1966 through Arsenal as an FA chauffeur, sadly missed by family and friends. Simon Seeger, May 13th, 1964 to February 20th, 2022. Born a stone's throw from Arsenal Stadium, a gooner from the age of 12. A kind, popular family man. The day before he died, he was delighted to see the team win. 
He was wearing his Arsenal shirt, which he refused to take off, and was worn at his funeral. He is sorely missed. Scott Martin, March 7th, 1972 to February 2nd, 2022. A naive young Tottenham supporter who saw the error of his ways and supported Arsenal through and through till his dying days. Nathan Dean Tiller, July 23rd, 1985 to December 4th, 2021. It is with extreme sadness that another young Gooner has passed too soon. Nathan was 100% Arsenal and will be missed by so many that knew him. Life will never be as it was. Tim Shields, a devoted fan, much-loved father, brother, uncle, son and grandson. Tim's first match was against Southampton in 1984 and he was secretary of the Fermanagh Arsenal Supporters Club. His memory is cherished by everyone who had the good fortune to know him. Happiness is in the journey. Daniel Edward Wade, August 3, 1983 to March 16, 2022. Son, father, uncle, nephew, cousin and friend to many. Gone too soon, left a hole in many hearts. Will be missed dearly. Ref Watch. Our referee today is David Coote. The Nottinghamshire official will be in charge of just his second Arsenal match this season following our 0-0 draw against Burnley at Emirates in January. In all, he has ref 17 Premier League games this season, handing out 77 yellow cards and two reds. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs Man United Premier League Saturday, April 23rd, kick-off 12.30pm, live on BT Sport. This is a Category A fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 50 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Red, Canon and JG members via the Ticket Exchange Service up until 9.30am on January, April 23rd. Arsenal vs Leeds United. Premier League, Sunday, May 8th. Kick-off 2pm, live on Sky Sports. This is a Category B fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 100 points for each ticket purchased. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Red, Canon and JG members via the Ticket Exchange Service up until 11am on Sunday, May 8th. Arsenal vs Everton, Premier League, Sunday, May 22nd, kick-off 4pm. This is a Category B fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 100 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Red, Canon and JG members via the Ticket Exchange Service up until 1pm on Sunday, May 22nd. Away. Southampton vs Arsenal, St Mary's Stadium, Premier League, Saturday, April 16th, kick-off 3pm. This fixture sold out to all Platinum, Gold and current Travel Club members, 10 plus away points. Chelsea vs Arsenal, Stamford Bridge, Premier League. Wednesday, April 20th, kick-off 7.45pm, live on Sky Sports. This fixture sold out to all Platinum Gold and current Travel Club member 35-plus away points. West Ham United vs Arsenal, London Stadium, Premier League, Sunday, May 1st, kick-off 4.30pm, live on Sky Sports. Please visit arsenal.com for the priority booking period information for this fixture. Rocky 7 in March 2021, to mark the 20th anniversary of Rocky's death, the Rowcastle family and the club made a commitment to continue to grow his legacy 
The Rocky Seven Project. Arsenal in the community worked with seven young people from a range of community outreach programs who were guided and mentored as part of a leadership program designed to give them valuable life skills, volunteering opportunities, and the confidence to be leaders in their own community. These leadership qualities were what made Rocky a hero to so many of us. The participants were referred from Arsenal in the community's estates, girls' football, disability, employability, and community coach development programs in the local area. They were mentored by club staff who supported them to achieve personal goals. There were some great success stories with participants joining Arsenal in the community as a sessional football coach, achieving qualifications, volunteering in their local community, and gaining employment. They also met Arsenal legend Alan Smudger Smith, a former teammate and great friend of David and his family. The Rocky Seven project will continue to develop in 2022, working with a larger group of 15 participants, again drawn from the Arsenal in the community's local outreach programs. There will be a mixture of referrals from kicks, football sessions in local parks and on estates, girls' football, and disability schemes. They will be starting with a two-day FA Playmaker course, which will equip them with the skills needed to run a football tournament in their local community. They will also, as with last year, be mentored individually to help them achieve their goals, as well as taking part in various workshops and courses. Well done from all of us at the club and the Rowcastle family to all those who took part last year. The participants are here at the game today as a reward for their commitment. Jesse, I have benefited by being on the Rocky Seven project because I was able to go out and try new things. And had new experiences, e.g., coaching, refereeing, and helping to organise. I enjoyed the practical side of this project, as I have been invited to go out and help with different tournaments. I assisted in an under nine competition and also won for the NHS. Nayla, since being part of the program, I became successful in getting a role as a social inclusion coach with the Arsenal community team. It's the most rewarding job. It's nice to be the role model that I would have liked to have had around when I was growing up. Football is for everyone, and it's my job to help the younger generation see that too. Sustainability, red, white, and green. Sustainability focus. Arsenal Football Club has a vision to lead the sporting community in a quest to a more sustainable future, and the match day program is taking the lead. Working with Carbon Link in Kenya, this season's issue is offsetting the emissions generated during the program production process, creating the Arsenal Forest in Africa. Carbon Link estimated we need to plant twelve thousand five hundred trees, each absorbing twenty kilograms of carbon dioxide over the next ten years. With your help, we have exceeded that target, with fifteen thousand five hundred seedlings planted so far. But we can do more. The program is also sponsoring small environmental projects around the club. As well as encouraging young fans and staff members to tell us about their green credentials, we are also highlighting our printer's environmental efforts 
In addition, in each program, we showcase significant club-wide projects being undertaken as part of our drive to greater sustainability. Bishop's backing. Arsenal's program print partner, Bishop's Printers, are considered one of the most environmentally conscious printers in the UK. Here we highlight their sustainability credentials. Our plate making machinery uses water technology to reduce the use of chemicals. When purchasing our latest 10 colour presses, we chose to invest in in press control, which cuts our startup waste by one third. As existing machines are replaced, we will continue to minimise waste by purchasing in press control, which is an optional extra. Lion's latest. Boré, where the Arsenal Forest is based, has its own football team, the Boré Lions, and we've kitted them out. Their latest match was at home to Marafa Rangers. For this game, the Lions sported their away kit to avoid a clash with Marafa. Arsenal sportsmanship in action there, and after a very competitive, entertaining fixture, the spoils were shared in a 2-2 draw. A Day in the Life of Cadso Charo The Arsenal Forest Project aims to plant enough trees to make up for the carbon dioxide released and the resources consumed in the production of this programme. But along the way, we want to help one African community called Bore adapt to the big climatic changes they are now facing. In time, the timber harvest from the trees will deliver significant financial support to the local population. But in the short term, the project is already having a big positive impact on the lives of women, such as Kadso. Kadso is 30 years old. She has eight children, seven girls and one boy. And she generally gets up at 5am to fetch the family's domestic water needs. It's a one and a half kilometre walk from the standpipe with a 20 kilogram jerry can balanced on her head. But as it's mains water, at least she knows it's an uncontaminated supply. After getting the children fed, washed and off to school, she usually works at the nursery in the morning, where her duties include propagating, watering and weeding the neem seedlings. These carbon-hungry babies are coming on well and are due to be planted out on the Arsenal Forest planting site in May or June. At lunch, she will prepare food for the family, usually a kind of maize porridge called ugali. After lunch, the older girls go back to school and after a few chores, Kadso is off to the Arsenal Forest planting site to mulch some neem trees. Then she returns home and the family relax in the shade after school has finished. These days, with the wages she earns from the project, she has no problem putting food on the table. Grow your own Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. Over 15,000 trees are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. 
If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small, sustainable step in the right direction, and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what an excellent gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code below for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Program Upcycling Scheme Any programmes that we don't sell have traditionally been offered to our community projects as valuable resources. However, we would be more than happy to let supporters get involved in this upcycling if they have a charity, school or community venture that could benefit from old issues and have the means to be able to collect them from the stadium please drop us an email to program at arsenal.co.uk outlining where and why you would like to use the old programmes and we'll be in touch. Celebrating Earth Day Who's up for a sustainable day out in Southampton? As you may be aware, Earth Day is fast approaching, April 21st to be precise. To celebrate this, the club is encouraging supporters to book travel on our official away supporter coaches for our fixture against Southampton. From Islington to Southampton, a distance of 90 miles, a fan travelling on a coach will emit 50% less carbon dioxide emissions than those using a car. It is the small changes that will make a difference, especially for those who follow our club all around the country. So for this game, not only will we be subsidising the cost of coach travel, but we will also offset the carbon emissions of all official club coaches, meaning you can travel to watch Arsenal knowing you are minimising your carbon footprint. Offsetting the remaining carbon emissions will be by contributing to our fantastic Arsenal Forest in Kenya. As we're sure you have been following on these pages, we have been developing and growing a forest to help make our matchday programme a carbon-neutral publication. This further investment will ensure all fans travelling on the coaches are carbon-neutral. By taking the club coach instead of driving, you will get the benefit of a comfortable and relaxing journey, while knowing we are reducing emissions and also helping to reduce traffic congestion. You can book your more sustainable coach travel with our official supporter travel provider, Corporate Travel Management, CTM. If you are unable to take advantage of the subsidised coach travel, we encourage you to use other sustainable methods of transport, including train, car shares or even by bicycle, if you're fit enough. With so many variables, including kick-off times, train bus replacements and coach pick-up locations, it isn't always easy to take the more sustainable option. But hopefully, we can work to make it easier. And together, we can all make a difference. We would love to hear about your small changes to your day-to-day -day lives or your Arsenal lives to live and support your team more sustainably. Please see the club's sustainability page on arsenal.com for more information on the green initiatives for Earth Day and beyond. Eco Gunners We ask young Arsenal fans to tell us how they are helping the planet. 
Junior gunner Finlay is now in year two at primary school and was thrilled to be voted to be his class representative on the school's council. He meets with other students once a week to discuss improvements that the school can make, one area being the environment. We are talking about ways in which we can get everyone to enjoy nature more and look after the environment. We are building tree houses so that it's fun to spend more time outdoors. And we are building a pond so that ducks and other animals can live there. Superb, Finley. Great for the environment and fun too. Octopus Energy, our official energy supplier and who are supporting the club on its sustainability journey, are sending you a cuddly octopus. If you are thinking about the environment, email juniorgunners at arsenal.co.uk now. If we feature you in the programme, our friends at Octopus will send you a cuddly octopus too. Staff Support Every issue of the programme, we find out what Arsenal staff are doing to become more sustainable. Today we hear from Head of Safeguarding, Adam Brown. In the garden, we've installed a water butt, built a composter, made our planters from offcuts of reclaimed construction timber, and we have planted a wildflower bed. We love hearing the hum of bees in the summer. Indoors, we now use zero plastic cleaning products with environmentally friendly ingredients, and we wash clothes at 30 degrees when it's safe to do so. We also turned our thermostat down by one degree over the winter and use LED bulbs everywhere to use less energy. Amazing, Adam. Superb sustainability efforts. Player feature. Cedric Fanzo. Arsenal players discuss the influence and inspiration provided by you, the fans. The pressure makes me feel alive. As one of the more experienced players in the squad, Cedric's big game know-how could be vital as the season enters the final straight. In this exclusive interview with the Matchday programme, the defender tells us how he still draws on the experience of winning the biggest game in European football six years ago. Words, Josh James, Photography. Stuart McFarlane, David Price, Getty. There can't be many more intimidating experiences than playing away to the host nation in the final of a major international tournament. And there can't be many more satisfying outcomes than claiming a famous win in front of that passionate home support. That's exactly what happened to Cedric back in 2016 when he helped Portugal to European Championship glory in a remarkable final in Paris. Our defender was 24 years old at the time and a mainstay of the national team that had defied the odds to reach the final in France, then exceeded all expectations to lift the trophy, despite losing talisman Cristiano Ronaldo to injury in the first half. For Cedric it was a defining moment in his career and the memory helps put all other hostile or intimidating atmospheres into perspective. Of course, playing in that game was the biggest atmosphere I've played in, he begins. You couldn't say one word to the guy next to you because you just couldn't hear anything. Throughout the whole game, it was like that. It was fantastic. Even during the warm-up before I was like, this is massive. It was crazy, even before the game. 
you feel the pressure because first you are playing for your country, which always brings a lot of responsibility. It's your people and everyone comes to you before. Every single member of your family sends you a message. But overall, you're really happy to be at that point where you could fight for first place in the tournament. Then being anxious and nervous is part of the game as well. That's normal. It's what players need to feel before the games anyway. Personally, I like to feel some tension before a game. But of course, the Euros final was a bit extra. In the end, it was a very positive experience. The biggest game of my career so far. Portugal had squeaked through the group stage, finishing third with three draws out of three, before Cedric was installed in the starting line-up for the rest of the tournament. A late extra-time win over Croatia secured a place in the last eight, where they defeated Poland on penalties. In the semi-finals, they saw off Wales 2-0, and Cedric kept his place for the final against hot favourites France. The game was staged in the Stade de France, Paris the same city in which Les Bleus had won the European Championships in 1984 and World Cup in 1998. Hopes were high in France of another famous triumph. The coach, Fernando Santos, used that opportunity to turn it around on them, Cedric recalls. They already had the bus ready for the celebration parade afterwards. There were a lot of things like that going on. Basically, everyone said that France was going to win, so we used that to our advantage. We turned it around to motivate the team in the right direction. At the same time, the coach tried to take the pressure off us and told us to enjoy the moment. He said that if you don't treat it as a unique moment in your life, you won't be able to enjoy it. This is exactly what the team did. We enjoyed every moment like it would be the last one. You want to go 100% so you cannot demand anything else from your teammates. After the national anthems had played, the first chance of the game was carved out by Cedric. Just three minutes in, his long pass found the advancing Nani, who lifted his shot over. Cedric admits, though, that for a long time his memories of the night were sketchy. Yes, for a few years afterwards I didn't have any memory at all of the game. I just memorised the goal and everything was about that moment. But since then, I've watched it back a few times and now I remember the whole game and every single action. When you watch it back, it all comes back to you, but for a while the whole experience was so intense that you can't take it all in. I think your memory switches off in the game, because you are working so hard to concentrate that everything else shuts off. You are just focused, and about 10 or 15 minutes into the game, the pressure lifts and you just play. But not long after that, Cedric and his teammates had to watch as Cristiano Ronaldo, who would be named as World Player of the Year for the fourth time a few months later, was stretched off in tears. For a while, we were a bit all over the place, Cedric, who has 34 caps for Portugal, admits. For ten minutes on the pitch, we were like, how are we going to play now? What's the formation? The game plan changed, and the characteristics of the players on the pitch changed a little bit too. We had amazing players, but characteristically different. We started to adapt, and half-time was crucial. Cristiano and Fernando Santos both spoke to us in the dressing room, and they gave us great words. That was key, and the second half was a completely different game. We started to believe more and more, and we started to create much more. The final has arguably become more memorable for Ronaldo's absence 
and his coaching from the touchline in extra time than the late winning goal from Ada. But the all-encompassing presence of the world's most famous sportsman is something that all of the Portugal national team have got used to over the years, and Cedric confirms that there is no doubt that his aura brings an extra layer of scrutiny to the side. Yes, 100%. Everywhere we go there are people sleeping in the doorways of our hotels just to see Cristiano walk past for 10 seconds maybe. It's crazy how big he is as a player and how much importance he has in people's lives. But I am proud to be able to play next to a player like him. He loves playing for Portugal. He has a big responsibility, so to win something for Portugal next to him was definitely something special in my career. But can that level of intensity on just one person also prove to be a distraction for other players of the squad? I understand what you mean, he replies but also Cristiano knows the team is very important. He's always concerned about the team. We do our job there to help him. We know if we play well, he will definitely do his job and we will end up winning. He has been the best player in the world so many times, so we need to support and help and do everything to keep going. He's used to the attention round him now, of course. Sometimes he asks us to help him. Maybe if we all go together to sign autographs, there won't be so many people asking for him, as if he went by himself, for example. Obviously, the people want him mainly, but we can help him too. That's something that's also shifted slightly since that summer of 2016 when Portugal became European champions. This squad of players is no longer in the shadow of Ronaldo. They have all gone down in history in their own right as the first group to win the Euros for their nation. So how soon did that realisation start to sink in after the final whistle in Paris? We didn't understand what it meant at first, says Cedric, who vividly remembers watching as a 12-year-old fan when Portugal lost to Greece on home turf in the final of Euro 2004. In France there is a very big community of Portuguese, so it was huge for us already, but we didn't understand the dimension of it in Portugal until we got back home. We went back to Lisbon the next day and nobody was working. Every road was packed. Everywhere you went you couldn't see the concrete on the floor because there were people everywhere. We enjoyed it on the bus parade and honestly you are still so excited you don't feel any tiredness. But the day after that the emotions go down and you feel tired. But that day is about adrenaline. I had people calling me on the bus, my friends saying, We are here, we can see you. It was a really, really nice sensation. But football passes so quickly. Nobody will ever forget that moment, but it was over so quickly. We've already had another Euro since then. And since then, Cedric's career has taken him from Southampton to Arsenal, joining us initially on loan in January 2020. He says the experience he gained during Euro 2016 especially has helped him deal with the hottest atmospheres the Premier League has to offer and he now thrives off the pressure from a full stadium. When you are young, that's harder, of course, and I've had my difficult moments too, he explains. Even in the Euros, we conceded a goal when the ball went over me from a cross. It was against Poland, but we caught them and drew the game, then won on penalties. So that was a big pressure, and I was young, only 24 at the time. The important thing is the reaction. That's where family comes in, Your support comes in and where your mentality and mental health comes in. 
you need to be able to press the reset and start again. Everyone thinks about making mistakes, of course. That's life, Cedric, now 30, adds. We have a saying in Portuguese which basically says only the people involved on the inside can make the mistakes. So that means you have to be there in the first place. You have to be inside, which means you can enjoy it because you have earned being in that position. But you can also be the one who makes a mistake. If you're only watching, there is nothing you can do. If you are there and you make a mistake, it's just human. You need to lift yourself and believe you can turn it around. That's how I think. I'm not afraid of making mistakes. He continues, Communication is important in football. And yes, when the stadium is full, it can be hard. Sometimes you can't hear anything. In the Premier League, it depends on the stadium. But sometimes your teammates can't hear you. The final of the Euros, though, was something else. It was very, very noisy, a fantastic atmosphere. But for me, it excites you more. It lifts you more. It gives you more responsibility. But I like to feel the pressure of a game. It makes me feel alive, more than normal. It's for that reason that Cedric wasn't a fan of behind-closed-doors football. This season, he's been making up for lost time playing in front of the Arsenal fans as each of his first 29 games for the club including a goal-scoring debut, came in near-empty stadiums. That period really made me realise that the fans are a big, big factor in football, he says. Football without fans is not really football. They have a big influence in the game and things are different when we have the fans behind us. Speaking for myself, I love that pressure. I love to feel that I cannot afford to miss, but also knowing if I do something good, they're there to support me. It's a fantastic feeling. It's very important to have the fans back. The lockdown games were super strange, like a training session. We could hear everything, every voice, the coach, the players, the opposition. You need that adrenaline and atmosphere from the fans that makes the game even more real. It's hard to explain. It's just something you feel. What makes the game special is a full stadium. We missed the fans a lot last year, but I also feel the fans miss being there too. Football is a big part of their life, a habit of going every weekend. Then suddenly that stopped. Taking their grandchildren to a game, teaching their kids about it. It all stopped, adds Cedric, who grew up as a devoted Sporting Lisbon fan after moving to Portugal from Germany aged just two. And now Cedric believes that these fans are owed something back. The bond between players and supporters has certainly strengthened this year. After the best part of a year apart, and our Portuguese fullback is feeling that love every time he steps out at Emirates Stadium. Arsenal has a big responsibility as a club, he says. We know we need to give the fans a much better season than we gave them last season. Lately in our home games, I've really felt the stadium is completely behind us. The comeback win against Wolves in February was like that. We were 1-0 down, but the fans understood that we were pushing and trying and really going for it. I heard the whole stadium behind us. When you're on the pitch, of course, most of the time you are focused on the game. But during that game, maybe when the action stopped for a bit, I could really feel that the crowd was completely behind us. It was massive. I believed we could turn it around, and in the end we made it happen together. We fought so hard to win the game. We applied our principles, and in the end, with a lot of emotion, we exploded with a 2-1 win. Then after that, you need to celebrate your wins, especially when they are important. 
Cedric knows all about important wins, and by the time this season is out, he's hopeful of adding one or two more to the memory bank. Sing up for the Arsenal, remembering a classic Arsenal chant from through the years. Maybe it's because I'm a Londoner that I love London town. Maybe it's because I'm a Londoner that I think of her wherever I go. I get a funny feeling inside of me just walking up and down. Maybe it's because I'm a Londoner that I love London town. This classic was sung by supporters of most London clubs post-war. Written in 1947, it was originally performed by Bud Flanagan, the voice of the Dad's Army theme tune, who was a regular at Highbury and vice president of the Arsenal Supporters Club. We've Only Got One Song by Matthew Bazell and Mark Andrews is a book all about Arsenal songs down the years. It's available to buy from legendspublishing.net. Fact File, Cedric Suarez, Defender, Portugal. Born, Singen, Germany, August 13th, 1991. Joined permanently from Southampton on July 1st, 2020. Previous clubs, Sporting, Academica, Lone, Southampton, Inter Milan, Lone. Debut versus Norwich City, Home Premier League, July 1st, 2020, 1-4-0. First goal versus Norwich City, Home Premier League, July 1st, 2020, 1-4-0. Arsenal Honours, Community Shield winner, 2020. Portugal Caps, 34, 1 goal. The Top 5. Attendances at European Championships Finals 1964 79,115 Spain 2, Soviet Union 1 Santiago Bernabeu, Madrid 2016 75,868 Portugal 1, France 0 Stade de France, Paris 1996 73,611 Germany 2, Czech Republic 1, Wembley Stadium, London. 1968, 68,817. Italy 1, Yugoslavia 1, Stadio Olimpico, Rome. 2020, 67,173. Italy 1, England 1, Wembley Stadium, London. Behind the headline, they are capable of murdering Arsenal, nil-nil, and nil-nil are the most popular figures in Italian football. This headline from Clive White, The Times, April the 23rd, 1980. Arsenal historian John Sperling reveals the story behind an eye-catching newspaper headline. I fancy playing in Europe like Kevin Keegan. Everyone needs a change. If I stay another one or two years, I'd still like to give it a go. Gunners midfielder Liam Brady told the Islington Gazette's Ken Burgess shortly after the Gunners won an epic 1979 FA Cup final 3-2 against Manchester United. In other words, the Irishman was handing in his notice. The Brady situation was an uncomfortable backdrop to Arsenal's epic cup exploits in the 1979-80 campaign, and his concerns about the lack of depth in the Gunners' squad became a jarring reality by April, when, due to a fixture backlog, 
Arsenal still had to complete a quarter of their league fixtures and face two of the most formidable sides in Europe at the time, Juventus in the Cup Winners' Cup semi-final and Liverpool in the FA Cup semi-final. The phrase squad rotation was not in vogue in the early 1980s, although Arsenal did manage to defeat Tottenham 2-0 at White Hart Lane in the league on Easter Monday with a team fielding youngsters. We beat Spurs with six reserves, chanted the travelling Arsenal fans, including Paul Davis and Paul Voisin. The Juventus clash whet the appetite of all Arsenal players who had their fill of matches against East European sides including Magdeburg, Lokomotiv Leipzig and Hadjuk split over recent months. The Turin side in their classic zebra tops conjured up images of efficiency, elegance and brutality in equal measure. The old lady possessed three world-famous stars goalkeeper Dino Zoff, midfielder Marco Tardelli and silver-haired striker Roberto Bottega, the golden boy of Italian football. Twenty minutes into the first leg at Highbury, played in front of a febrile 51,998 crowd, Bottega lunged at Arsenal's central defender David O'Leary with both sets of studs up. I reckon David might still have a couple buried in his leg somewhere, wins Terry Neal years later, and the defender left the field to be stitched up. The N5 crowd was in uproar, but Juve dealt a serious blow to Arsenal's chances when Talbot hacked down Batiga and Antonio Cabrini tucked the rebound past Jennings after the keeper saved the left-back's penalty kick. Arsenal appeared second best. The Juventus' back line, largely that which won World Cup glory with Italy two years later, kept Brady and Graham Ricks quiet, and Frank Stapleton's battering ram approach bore no rewards. But with five minutes left on the clock, Willie Young nodded down a Brady cross, and the ball went past Zoff off Batiga. Justice of a sort, although Clive White commented in the Times, they, Juventus, are capable of murdering Arsenal nil-nil, you would say, for this is all they need to go through. After the 1-1 draw at Highbury, and nil-nil are the most popular figures in Italian football. White had begun his journalistic career in the late 60s, clattering away, as he put it, on ancient imperial typewriters with worn-down ribbons and loose keys. By his own admission, he tended to file his copy at the last possible minute, but his turn of phrase was invariably as beautifully precise as a Liam Brady pass. Although Terry Neal had appeared on Batiga's chat show in Italy the night before in an attempt to diffuse some of the tension between the two sides after the host lunge on O'Leary, Neal had been outspoken in his criticism. A huge banner which read, Neal the dog, could clearly be seen through the purple, orange and red smoke from the Roman candles. Brady and midfield partner Ricks were at their best that night. In the stands was Juve midfielder Marcio Tardelli, suspended after the first leg, who recalled Liam and Graham orchestrated everything for Arsenal that night. They knew precisely when to hold on to the ball and when to release it. They seemed almost to have a telepathic understanding of where each other would be. Yet, as the clock ticked on, Arsenal's efforts seemed in vain. Juventus had never lost at home to an English club in Europe, and hadn't lost at the Stadio Comunale for the best part of two years. 
a stalemate suited the home team perfectly. The home crowd got steadily louder. All you could hear was Juve, Juve, but we kept going, recalled Young. Juve never pushed for a goal which would have killed us off, so there was always a chance. With fifteen minutes to go, Young clattered into Juve enforcer Gaetano Syria. He'd taken a few liberties, and I reckoned I owed him one, chuckled Young, leaving the Italian requiring treatment. It gave the Arsenal players time for a breather, and Neil brought on John Hollands and Paul Vison for the tiring Talbot and David Price. Tardelli recalls, Both those two guys were classic English midfielders, and when Arsenal brought on Vison, whom none of us had really heard of, I was convinced that their engine had gone. Stapleton and Alan Sunderland looked particularly tired. I don't know how much ground Tolbert and Price had covered. I thought the game was up. Yet, with two minutes to go, Ricks flighted a beautifully weighted cross, which sailed over Zoff's head and on to Vison, whose point-blank header slipped past the legendary keeper. Vison later recalled, Immediately I saw their players put their heads in their hands and collapse to the turf. I was engulfed by teammates. It was just the best night, Tardelli recalls. The deafening whistles in the stadium stopped. All I could hear was a group of Arsenal fans going mad, and I saw their players hugging one another in the distance. Nothing else. The lights had gone out on us. On the touchline, Juve coach Giovanni Trapattoni slumped in disbelief, and Arsenal had reached the final after a classic backs-to-the-wall game. Thirty years later, Clive White, present and correct in Turin, argued for Arsenal to avoid the seemingly inevitable nil-nil draw was one of the most stunning tactical triumphs by an English club in Europe. The year 1980 in football. First division winners, Liverpool. FA Cup winners, West Ham United. Beat Arsenal 1-0. League Cup winners, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Top scorer, Phil Boyer, 23, Southampton. The game, European Cup Winners' Cup semi-final, second leg, April the 23rd, 1980. Juventus nil, Arsenal 1. Scorer, Vison in the 88th minute. Attendance, 66,386. For Arsenal, Jennings, Rice, Devine, Walford, Talbot, Substituted by Hollands, O'Leary, Young, Brady, Sunderland, Stapleton, Price, substituted by Vison and Ricks. Also in 1980, US President Jimmy Carter announces that the US will boycott the Olympics in Moscow. The British record TV audience for a film is set when 23,500,000 viewers tune in for the ITV showing of the James Bond film Live and Let Die, 1973. The Rubik's Cube makes its international debut at the British Toy and Hobby Fair, Earl's Court, London. The existence of Janus, a moon of Saturn, is confirmed by the Voyager 1 probe. In West Germany, the Audi Quattro is launched, a four-wheel drive sporting coupe. Robert Mugabe is elected to be the Prime Minister of Zimbabwe. Post-it notes are first introduced. Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall, Part 2, is banned in South Africa. The World Health Organization announces that smallpox has been eradicated. Kim
Community Voice. Arsenal in the Community engages more than 5,000 participants every week. Each issue, we hear about one of our projects from their perspective. Unica is 17 and currently a full-time Arsenal student. I was an Arsenal ball girl for the 2018-19 season. As that season came to an end, we were made aware of further opportunities within Arsenal, one of which was becoming a full-time Arsenal student, Level 3. I was aware that there were other projects delivered by Arsenal in the community. However, I didn't know the depth and how much variety is currently delivered. As soon as I heard about the course, I was interested, and after looking into it further, I knew it was for me. As an Arsenal student, you're given many work experience opportunities to get involved in. These cover a wide range of activities and events, ranging from assisting in the Adidas run to helping deliver International Women's Day workshops to primary school children. My personal favourite was helping coordinate and deliver the Premier League school's female tournament for 32 schools. Through the course, I've made loads of good friendships, not only with my peers, but also among the staff. The course has also strengthened existing friendships between myself and Lily Bell, a student who I previously knew through football. I was surprised when I saw her on the first day. The Arsenal staff, whether that's our tutors Martin and Tony, or other community staff, are all very friendly and supportive, sharing coaching ideas, tips and tricks, as well as everyday advice and support. No matter the problem, there seems to always be someone that can help and support you. The course has changed me and given me a different perspective on life. It's given me confidence to present and interact with a variety of people. Aside from increasing my coaching knowledge, I've developed skills through the academy delivery such as communication, presenting, problem solving and teamwork. The course has helped me become more empathetic towards others and allows me to communicate and present my view in a clearer way. It's also encouraged me to have a professional mindset as I'm wearing the Arsenal badge and understand the responsibility and expectations that come with that. The opportunities presented alongside the qualification give you a great platform in your next steps because of the experience. There are so many routes you can take from a course like this, i.e. university, employment and Arsenal's own coach education gap year programme. Being part of Arsenal gives you this sort of pride when going to college daily. You're seen as an Arsenal coach, not just a student. You're a role model to the children you coach. Even wearing our club clothing in public, you often have conversations about the club and my role, with people often praising what we're doing in the community. For more information on the Arsenal student pathway, contact Martin Davis, mdavis at arsenal.co.uk. Supporters Voice With Level Playing Field visiting Emirates Stadium today, we bring you an accessibility update from ADSA member Anthony Joy. In early March, I, alongside some of the ADSA, Arsenal Disabled Supporters Association, made the short journey to Vicarage Road ahead of our victory against Watford. We joined together with members of Watford FC's Enables Group for filming, as part of Watford's support for the very successful Level Playing Fields Weeks of Action campaign. The aim was to provide different perspectives of match-going disabled fans. 
it highlighted the importance of good communications in advance between clubs as to seating choices and access requirements and facilitating and advising supporters on the day. We are so fortunate that for each away game we are joined by the Arsenal Disability Liaison Team, who on the day provide both a visible presence and support for our disabled fans. I am delighted that Level Playing Field are joining us at Emirates today to summarise the Weeks of Action campaign. It is a showcase for all that is good across disabled access. This year we took the opportunity to celebrate disabled access and inclusion to the Arsenal women's team at Meadow Park. However, striving for improved access and inclusion shouldn't be restricted to just two weeks a year. At Arsenal there is a commitment to ensuring this approach is business as usual. The tagline, hashtag all Arsenal, all access, means just that. A lasting standard, delivering excellence for disabled fans of both our men's and women's teams. ADSA are very grateful the club made signings of the season in John Dyster, the new Disability Access Manager, and Jackie Pollard, our Disability Liaison Officer. The credit goes to them. Their arrival in post has energised ADSA, and we have already seen real improvements in access and inclusion. A new access guide for Emirates is now in place, with a similar guide in the works for the women's team. There are excellent facilities here at Emirates, and probably more can be done to celebrate these. There is always room for improvement, however, and ADSA are optimistic for the future with the plans for ticketing processes and for provisions for blind, stroke, partially sighted and deaf supporters on a match day. For our fans at away matches, it can be a different situation with poor sight lines and limited tickets still commonplace. It's disappointing that some clubs have introduced new facilities that are ill-conceived and poorly delivered. I know that we have the support of Arsenal in highlighting the gaps in disabled facilities across the league and working with the likes of Level Playing Field to make continuous improvement for disabled fans. The club is everything, but probably means something to us all in very different ways. For disabled supporters, during the pandemic, many of us were shielding for so very long and some continue to be adjusting back to attending football matches again. It is fantastic to open access for disabled fans and it cannot be taken for granted. Know an Arsenal fan whose story should be told? Perhaps they've gone to great lengths to show their support for the Gunners, battled against difficulties in their lives or shown great compassion for others. If you think they have a story, we need to hear it. Email us at program at arsenal.co.uk Every supporter featured will receive a unique personalised version of the Matchday programme featuring their story. Young Gun, Mazida Gongbo Interview by Aidan Small the past year has been a crazy one for me, and last week just topped it all, really. I feel like I've taken so many positive steps over the past two seasons, and I've made so much progress in terms of my development. But to be named in a matchday squad for the first team? Wow, that's something I never saw at the start of the season. For me, it says a lot about this club and the connection and trust that it has with the academy and giving young players a chance. 
It's an experience I'll never forget, and I'm so thankful to all the coaches, staff and players for making me feel so welcome. I was basically just training with the first team on match day minus one, and right at the end of the training session, one of the assistant coaches pulled me aside and said that I might be in the squad tomorrow. Obviously, I was so excited and proud, but I didn't want to get ahead of myself, so... When I eventually got a text later that day containing the full squad and matchday schedule, I couldn't believe it. Straight away, I had to call my family and my agent and tell them the good news. It was an amazing feeling being able to share that moment with them. I had actually already made plans to see my friends that night too, so I decided to keep it a secret from them and tell them in person rather than over text. I can't lie, it hadn't really sunk in until I started speaking to everyone and realised just how much it meant to them as well and how proud they were of me. It made our night together even better. You've got to enjoy these moments in football when you get them. Going into match day, all I wanted to do was learn as much as possible and make sure that I was ready in case I was needed. I've trained with the first team a few times before, but being there on a match day is a totally different thing. Everything up until when you get to the stadium is fairly similar to playing academy football, but because of the weight of games in the Premier League, you can feel the pressure of expectation and the need for focus. Then, when you get to the stadium, that's when you really start to realise just how important these games are, and what's needed from a top professional, the noise of the fans heading out for the warm-up, all of the chants, all of those eyes on you. It's the best and toughest league in the world, and you can feel how much everyone wants those three points. All of those things only confirm to me that the fans are what makes football what it is. Obviously, it wasn't the result we wanted, but the away fans stuck with us throughout, and the atmosphere inside Sellers Park was amazing, and it definitely helped them to get the win. It just makes me want to get out there, keep working hard and fight for another chance. I feel like there was a lot for me to take away and learn from the game, but one thing that really stuck with me was seeing all of the coaches go through some finer details and tactics with the players before the game on their laptops. It was all tailored for each individual player, things they need to be mindful of and things they might be able to exploit. And for me, that just shows the level of detail in the Premier League and how games are decided by the tightest of margins. Everyone has to be aware of their job both individually and also in the team system so that they can execute it to the highest standard possible. That means knowing exactly where and when you should be pressing when you need to be in a mid-block, in a low-block, and also the key principles of the team for when we're in transition or maintaining possession. It was a good reminder to me that if I'm ever unsure of something before a game, at any level, I should always ask the question or seek advice from one of my coaches, because if world-class players are doing it in the first team, then I definitely need to be doing that as well. It's so important to respect and listen to everyone around you in the dressing room because everyone can help each other. Now looking ahead to the end of the season, I just want to maintain those standards that I've seen in the first team and apply them to everything I do, both on and off the pitch. In football, 
Things can change so quickly, and opportunities will arise that you never saw coming, so you always need to be ready to take your chance. I want to keep pushing for more opportunities now, and regardless of whether I am asked to play for the under-23s, train with the first team, go out on loan, or whatever, I am going to bring those high standards and hopefully show everyone what I can do. Who knows what can happen from there? The Basics Name, Mazida Gungbo Born, County Leash, Republic of Ireland, 20th of October 2002 Joined, 16th of November 2015 Height of weight, 5 feet 11 and 79 kilos Position, left wing back or left back School, the Nobel School, Stevenage Rate yourself, out of 100 Pace, 89 Dribbling, 85 Passing, 90. Shooting, 83. Defending, 90. Physical, 91. Low down. Earliest memory of football. My brother teaching me and my friend the basics in our estate. First footballer I looked up to, Lionel Messi. Best friend in football, Joel Lopez. Team supported as a child, Manchester United. Biggest influence on career to date, God. Favourite goal of all time, Gareth Bale versus Liverpool in the Champions League final. Best goal I've scored versus Blackburn in the FA Youth Cup. Best player I've faced, Jamal Musiala. Best game I've had versus Leicester under-15s in the Premier League Cup. Proudest achievement in football so far, playing for my country, Republic of Ireland. I combine best with... Kido Taylor Hart. Best moment of career, making the bench for the first team. Most difficult moment of career so far, struggling with injury last season. Another sport I'm good at, American football. About me. Favourite footballer of all time, Lionel Messi. If I could be any footballer, I would be Pelé. If I could have a conversation with anyone in the world, Roland Kruger. Dyson CEO. If I could speak to my younger self, I'd say, take it all in. Favourite follow on Instagram, at Boilers in God. Favourite music artist, Caleb Gordon. Favourite pre-match song, God Breathed by Kanye West. Best football attribute, crossing. One thing I need on an away day, my iPad. One thing I want to do in my football career, Travel. If I wasn't a footballer, I'd be an entrepreneur. First team player I look up to most, Rob Holding. Player who shaped my game most, Alfonso Davis. Best thing about being at Arsenal, the challenging and caring environment. Around the Academy Thriller at Emirates. Since our roundup in the Liverpool programme, the Academy games have come thick and fast, six in all. The under-23s have become draw specialists. A 2-2 draw at home to Blackburn Rovers featured a Miguel Aziz goal and a first strike in Arsenal colours for young Portuguese Lino Souza. But with Blackburn pulling one back before half-time, even a heroic display in goal from Hubert Kraczyk couldn't prevent Rovers getting a late equaliser. 
A challenging trip to Crystal Palace followed, and this time it was Marcelo Flores who put us ahead early in the second half, assisted by Nathan Butler Oyedigi. The South Londoners' Naya Kirby grabbed an equaliser with 10 minutes to go, and the match ended up all square. On Monday night, the Gunners took on Manchester City, knowing that to stand any chance of pipping them to the PL2 title, they would have to win at Emirates Stadium. We made a strong start, and Souza opened the scoring on 11 minutes, but Kevin Betsy's team were soon pegged back by a Liam Dillap strike. Early in the second half, Micah Bierith gave us the lead following a free kick, and with just 12 minutes left, Bierith was fouled in the box and stepped up to give us a two-goal cushion from the penalty spot. Into injury time and the impressive Delap pulled one back with a superb long-range strike, and agonisingly City still had time to claim a point with a goal from James McAtee. In the under-18s, we followed a 2-1 defeat against West Brom, with the Gunners' goal coming from Billy Vigar, with a fantastic 3-1 win at Brighton. Vigar, who is enjoying a strong start to the season, was on the score sheet, as was Khalil Green, his first at under-18 level, and after Brighton had pulled one back, Charles Sago Jr. made the game safe. Dan McKitchie's team followed that victory with another win last Saturday, 4-2 at home to Southampton. Again, Vigar and Sago Jr. were on the score sheet, while opening the scoring was another player enjoying a good finish to the campaign, Welsh midfielder Matthias Roberts. Perhaps the most eye-catching name on the score sheet, however, was under-15 midfielder Ethan Waneri, who's already becoming a regular fixture in the under-18s. Congratulations, Bradley! 17-year-old midfielder Bradley Ibrahim signed his first professional contract for the club last week. A regular for the under-18s, the second-year scholar has also broken into the under-23s this season and was thrilled to have been rewarded with his contract. I'm really grateful for the opportunity, said Bradley. I want to push on and keep working hard to fulfil all my potential. I want to progress and be in the under-23s more often, he said. Eventually, after I've done that, I want to try and push on with the first team. Sounds like a plan, Bradley. Marcelo and Mazid make the bench. Congratulations to Mazid Ogungbo and Marcelo Flores, who made the first-team squad for the first time on Monday night when we travelled to Selhurst Park. The boys were joined on the bench by Zach Swanson, who has made the matchday squad before, with Biyako Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe and Eddie Nketiah all playing in the match, it was an encouraging evening for the academy, despite the result. Big weekend for lone stars. A number of our academy players had matches to remember last weekend with their lone clubs. Jordan Osei-Tutu will certainly never forget the moment he scored in the dying seconds of a Wembley Cup final. The fullback's 96th-minute shot earned Rotherham United extra time against Sutton United, in which they scored twice and claimed the EFL Papa John's trophy. At Middlesbrough, Folloran Balogun scored in Borough's 4-0 route of Peterborough. That's three goals in the last four games for Flo. It was also a special weekend for Harry Clark, who made his debut for Hibernian after being frustrated by injury, and scored the equaliser in a 1-1 draw against Dundee United. 
Elsewhere, Brook Norton Cuffey impressed again for Lincoln City as they beat Charlton Athletic 2-1 at the Valley. Dan Ballard played the full 90 minutes as Millwall earned a hard-fought point after a 2-2 draw with Luton. And Matt Smith also played the 90 minutes in Doncaster Rovers' 2-0 defeat against Wickham. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. European adventure ends. The Gunners bowed out of the UEFA Women's Champions League at the quarter-final stage after a 3-1 aggregate defeat to Wolfsburg. Overall, the current league leaders in Germany deserved to prevail, but it was a tight contest and Jonas Eideval's team proved they are more than capable of mixing it at the very highest level in the women's game. Wolfsburg, who won the competition in 2013 and 2014, started the first leg at Emirates Stadium, like a train, and went ahead on 19 minutes through to Beowusmuth's header. The Gunners clawed their way back into the game, creating numerous chances in the second half before an equaliser finally came in the 89th minute. Lot Ruben Moy drilling home after a Tobin Heath free kick. The second leg in Germany started poorly for Eideval's team when ex-gunner Jill Ruard put Wolfsburg ahead on just nine minutes. It was a tall order to level up the tie once again, and in truth, they found it difficult to break down the excellent Bundesliga outfit. And when Leah Williamson unluckily steered Svendi's Jonsdotter a cross into her own net with 15 minutes remaining, the game was effectively up. Although, had substitute Nikita Paris been awarded a penalty after a very strong challenge by the goalkeeper Almushult, things could perhaps have been different. Prior to the European ties, Arsenal had progressed to the semi-final of the Women's FA Cup after a comfortable 4-0 victory over the championship's bottom-placed side, Coventry United. With the underdogs defending resolutely, we had to work hard for an opener, which came from the head of Stina Blackstenius, from a Paris cross on seven minutes before the break. It wasn't until the second half that Eideval's team could really break down the tiring second-tier team, with half-time substitute Beth Mead grabbing our second not long after the restart followed by a wrap-in from Paris from a Katie McCabe cross and, typically, Vivienne Meademmer, another substitute, which was not to be denied, firing home from 20 yards. In the Women's Super League, Arsenal easily overpowered Leicester City at the King's Power Stadium last Sunday. Now sitting a point behind Chelsea, with both teams having played the same amount of games, the Gunners had to get all three points in the East Midlands, and they got off to the perfect start when Mead volleyed home expertly after just two minutes. The Foxes held firm until half-time, but after the break, Miedema grabbed a brace. Tobin Heath scored only her third goal for the Gunners, and there was also an own goal, as the team racked up a remarkable 30 shots in the match. Leicester had just won. Gunners draw Chelsea 
The FA Cup semi-final draw gives fans the chance to watch another instalment of what's arguably the biggest game in women's football, as Arsenal hosts Chelsea at Meadow Park on Sunday, April 17th. The match will kick off at 12.30pm. It's expected there will be a big crowd at the home of Borehamwood FC, so head to arsenal.com now where you can order your tickets, which start at just £8 for adults, £4 for concessions if you buy in advance. In the other semi-final, West Ham will host Manchester City. The FA Cup final is scheduled for Sunday May 15th at Wembley. 150 appearances for Katie and Beth. Congratulations to Katie McCabe and Beth Mead, both of whom made their 150th appearance for the Gunners in the 5-0 win over Leicester City at the weekend. Beth, who joined us from Sunderland in January 2017, made the perfect start to her special match with a very early goal, making it 53 in total for the forward. Katie, who arrived from Shelbourne in December 2015, also has a healthy goal tally to her name, 28 to be precise, impressive for a player generally operating as a full-back or wing-back. Tottenham game off. The North London derby at Emirates Stadium on Saturday, March 26th, with close to 20,000 fans expected to attend, had to be postponed on the day before the match due to Covid cases in the Tottenham camp. At the time of going to press, a new date has yet to be finalised for this match, or whether the game will be played at Emirates Stadium or Meadow Park. Visitors, Brighton and Hove Albion. Words, Mike Hammond. Photography, Getty Images. Form 1901. Nickname, The Seagulls, Albion. Chairman, Tony Bloom. Stadium, Amex Stadium. Honours, Second Division Stroke Championship Runners-Up, 1978 Stroke 79, 2016 Stroke 17. Third Division Stroke Football League One Champions. 1957 stroke 58 2001 stroke 02 2010 stroke 11 4th division league 2 champions 1964 stroke 65 2000 stroke 01 FA Cup runners up 1983 A season that started with so much promise for Brighton and Hove Albion has gone off the rails in recent weeks and although Graham Potter's side appear to have done enough to avoid sliding into relegation trouble, they will be eager to arrest a sharp decline in form that has brought them just one point and one goal from their last seven Premier League matches. That point came in their most recent league fixture, a goalless stalemate at home to bottom of the table Norwich City last Saturday, but although that draw ended Albion's six-match losing run, it was another 90 minutes of frustration for the home supporters as chance after chance went begging, including a missed penalty from top scorer Nail Maupai. Remarkably, it was the fifth successive home game in which Brighton had failed to score. The South Coast side's recent struggles are a far cry from their early season endeavours, which brought four wins in their first five matches. That form in August and September was followed by a long winless run in the league that lasted until Boxing Day. 
but during that autumn period, the Seagulls became the Premier League's draw specialists, sharing the points in eight games out of ten, including a goalless stalemate at home to Arsenal. Indeed, Potter's side had been defeated in just four league games, and only once away at Aston Villa in November, until that recent six-game losing sequence in February and March. Even now, their record away from the Amex remains positively balanced at 1-4, drawn 7, lost 3, despite defeats in their last two fixtures on the road at Manchester United 2-0 and Newcastle 2-1. With 34 points on the board, Brighton may already have enough to ensure a sixth successive top-flight campaign next season but it will be a disappointment if they fail to exceed their previous highest Premier League tally of 41, set in each of the last two seasons, or their best finish of 15th, achieved in 2017-18 and 2019-20. With eight games to go, those twin targets are still attainable, but only if the Seagulls' slump ends soon. The Boss, Graham Potter, Manager, Bourne, May 20th, 1975, in Solihull. Previously, Ostersund, 2011 to 2018. Swansea, 2018-2019. to A 2-1 winner on his first two visits to the Emirates Stadium with Swedish side Ostersund in a 2017-18 Europa League encounter and in 2019-20 Premier League with Brighton, Graham could do with another victory here this afternoon. The 46-year-old Brummy made his name by steering Ostersund on a remarkable rise up the Swedish football ladder, which peaked with a 2017 domestic cup triumph, and in June 2018 he was appointed by just-relegated Swansea. Graham steered the club to 10th place in the championship, but spent just one season in South Wales before he became a Premier League manager with Brighton, succeeding Chris Hooton. Number 5. The Captain. Lewis Dunk. Defender. Born Brighton, 21st of November 1991. Previously, Bristol City, Lone. Local lad Lewis came through the club's youth ranks and has been the team's central defensive linchpin for the past eight seasons, helping the club win promotion before establishing himself as a Premier League mainstay and also winning an England cap in November 2018. The big centre-back missed a chunk of the current campaign with a knee injury, but scored Albion's only goal in their last seven matches, a header from a corner in the 2-1 defeat at Newcastle. Number 10. The Schema. Alexis McAllister. Midfielder. Born Santa Rosa, Argentina. 24th of December 1998. Previously, Argentinos Juniors. Boca Juniors. Loan. Signed from Buenos Aires side Argentinos Juniors in January 2019, Alexis joined on a four-and-a-half-year contract but returned on loan back to Argentina before finally making his Seagulls debut in March 2020. It has been a relatively slow start to English football for the 23-year-old who represented Argentina at last year's Olympics but since Christmas he has been a regular starter in Graham Potter's side and scored twice in a 3-2 win at Everton in January. Number 11. The Maverick. Leandro Trossard. Forward. Born. Mars Mechelen, Belgium. 4th of December 1994. Previously. Genk. Lommel United. Loan. 
Westerlo, loan. Lommel United, loan. O.H. Leuven, loan. A skillful 27-year-old winger come attacking midfielder, Leandro was signed by Brighton three summers ago after an outstanding 2018-19 season in which he helped Genk win the Belgian league title, scoring 14 goals plus eight more in Europe. He is now established as a regular both for Brighton and Belgium, registering a goal and two assists for his country in a 3-0 friendly win against Burkina Faso last month. He has not scored a club goal, however, since Boxing Day. Number 1. The Keeper, Robert Sanchez, Goalkeeper Born, Cartagena, Spain, 18th November 1997 Previously, Forest Green Rovers, Lone, Rochdale, Lone Last season was a memorable one for Robert, whose sudden rise to prominence as Brighton's first-choice goalkeeper not only led to Matt Ryan's lone move to Arsenal, but also earned him a shock international call-up by Spain and inclusion in their Euro 2020 and Nations League squads. The 24-year-old, who has been on Albion's book since he was 15, has started all but one of this term's Premier League fixtures, keeping a clean sheet against the Gunners back in October. Number 3. On the left, Mark Cucurella, defender. Born, Alela, Spain, 22nd of July, 1998. Previously, Barcelona, Ibar, Loan, Getafe. A Spain youth international at various age groups and also an Olympic Games silver medalist in Tokyo last summer, Mark joined Brighton in August on a five-year deal after two progressive seasons in La Liga with Getafe. The shaggy-haired 23-year-old has not missed a Premier League game since making his debut in a 1-0 win at Brentford last September, showing versatility as both a left-sided defender and a wing-back. A Catalan native, he began his career with Barcelona. Number 34. On the right, Joel Veltman. Defender. Born Ichmuiden, Netherlands, 15th of January 1992. Previously, Ajax. A Netherlands international who represented his country at each of their last two major tournaments, the 2014 World Cup and Euro 2020. Joel made 246 appearances in all competitions for Amsterdam Giants Ajax, winning three Eredivisie titles and one Dutch Cup before leaving to join Brighton at the start of last season. The industrious right-back has nailed down a regular starting berth in Graham Potter's side this term, missing only two of the Seagulls' last 27 Premier League encounters. Number 9, up front, Neil Malpe, forward, born Versailles, France, 14th of August 1996. Previously, Nice, Saint-Étienne, Brest, Lone, Brentford, Frenchman Neil scored the late winner at Emirates Stadium two seasons ago in the Seagulls' 2-1 victory and, with eight goals, is Brighton's top Premier League scorer this season, as he was in each of the last two campaigns, with 10 in 2019-20 and 8 in 2020-21. The 25-year-old ex-Brentford striker has, like the rest of Graham Potter's team, struggled for goals of late, however firing a penalty over the bar against Norwich last weekend. Number 18, the ex-gunner, Danny Welbeck, forward. Born, Manchester, 26th of November, 1990. 
Previously, Manchester United, Preston, Lone, Sunderland, Lone, Arsenal, Watford. An Arsenal player for five seasons from 2014 to 2019, during which he was frequently sidelined with injury, but still managed 32 goals in 126 games and helped the Gunners win the 2016-17 FA Cup. Ex-England striker Danny was relegated two seasons ago with Watford, but returned to the top flight with Brighton. Though not a regular starter for the Seagulls, he has chipped in with some important goals, notably a late equaliser against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in December. Scouting Report Words Michael Cox Photography Getty Images Graham Potter voiced his irritation with Brighton supporters screaming for their players to shoot after last weekend's goalless draw at home to Norwich, but you can understand where they're coming from. Brighton have scored just once in the last seven matches, a Lewis Dunk header at a set-piece in a 2-1 loss to Newcastle, which is a very poor run for a side that dominates possession, creates chances and started the season in fine form. Brighton have often struggled in front of goal since Potter took charge, seemingly the only thing holding them back from being a consistent top-half side. Last weekend's game fit that pattern, with Neil Malpe missing a penalty. But overall, Brighton haven't been particularly shortchanged in their recent winless run. There's been a slump in performance against both top-half sides and relegation battlers, and for the first time, Potter feels under pressure. In terms of systems, Potter is arguably the most unpredictable coach in the Premier League. In the last six matches, he started with 3-5-2, 4-3-1-2 and 4-2-3-1 formations and regularly changes his approach halfway through matches, sometimes even before half-time. The dominant feature of his approach in recent weeks has been his overwhelming focus upon technical quality in midfield. Last weekend he played a trio of Pascal Gross, Alexis McAllister and Leandro Trossard, three players who would probably consider themselves natural number 10s. That was surely a one-off approach at home to the bottom place side, however, and he's likely to bring in Yves Bissouma here for some extra presence in midfield. Going forward, Malpe, who has had some eventful games against Arsenal in the past, will try to run in behind the opposition to provide an outlet for the creative midfield players. He often appears at his best when joined by a strike partner. Danny Welbeck is a familiar face at the Emirates and offers both speed and an aerial presence, while Trossard can also play off the front. Perhaps the most eye-catching players in Potter's side are the wing-backs. Tariq Lamptey, who made his Premier League debut here for Chelsea two seasons ago, is a brilliant off-the-ball runner and a decent crosser too. On the opposite flank, Mark Cucurella has been one of the signings of the season and is capable of playing as a left wing-back, a left-back or even on the left of a three-man defence, which has proved useful after the departures of Ben White and Dan Byrne. This means the old partnership of Lewis Dunk and Shane Duffy has been reprised with Joel Veltman able to play on the right of a three-man defence. They've been fairly solid this season, although goalkeeper Robert Sanchez has made a few errors, particularly when sweeping aggressively or when tested with high crosses. He remains a fine shot-stopper, however. Did you know? Scoreless sequences. Brighton haven't scored against Arsenal in the team's last three encounters. 
but this is nothing on an earlier scoreless run for the Seagulls. After a 2-0 home defeat at the hands of Arsenal in the team's first match back in 1935, Brighton failed to score against the Gunners in the subsequent eight games between the sides, until a 2-1 win at the Goldstone Ground in 1982. Match action. Arsenal versus Liverpool. Arsenal nil, Liverpool 2. Liverpool scorers. Hotter, 54th minute. Firmino, 62nd minute. Wednesday, March 16th, 2022. Emirates Stadium. Timeline. 31st minute. Odegaard is dispossessed inside the box when well placed. 47th minute. Mane has a goal ruled out for offside. 49th minute. Great run from Martinelli, but his cross is cut out. 51st minute. Odegaard and Saka have shots well saved. 54th minute. Hotter gives Liverpool the lead at the near post. 62nd minute. Firmino doubles the lead from a narrow angle. Talking heads. Cedric. It started really well. I think most of the game we controlled the game. We were sharp, we were on it. The game plan was fantastic. All the team was on it. Of course, we had two or three moments where they were able to also have opportunities. It's a great team. But I think we need to stay positive because, again, we showed a great spirit together with our fans here. Mikel Arteta. I don't think the result reflects the performance of the team. Being clear, from box to box, probably we were the better team in many parts of the game. But when the defining moments were there for the taking, We have to take them. And we haven't. That was the difference in the game. Facts. This ended our six-game unbeaten run in the Premier League. Jurgen Klopp becomes the second Liverpool manager to win 10-plus games against Arsenal in all competitions after Bill Shankly. Liverpool have won three consecutive away games against Arsenal in all competitions for the first time in their history. Match action. Premier League, Saturday, March 19th, 2022. 12.30pm. Villa Park. Aston Villa nil. Arsenal 1. Timeline. 10 minutes. Saka crosses and concert deflects the ball towards his own goal, forcing a fine save from ex-gunner Martinez. 30. Saka fires home from the edge of the box after a Cedric cross was cleared. 90 minutes. Lino saves from a late Philip Coutinho free kick. Talking heads. Biako Saka. I'm really happy with the resilience the team showed. The fight to the end. How we defended as a team to see this result out and get the three points. I think it's really special because last season... I don't think we had that resilience to see games out like this, and I think that's why this is making a difference for us this season. Mikel Arteta It was a big win. After the defeat against Liverpool, but the performance that we had, we wanted to come here and play well first, which we did, and get the three points because we want to keep the momentum going, and I think the team showed today a lot of personality to come and play the way we played the way we dominated the game, and to come away with a win in the end. Facts. 
Berndolino started a first Premier League match since August, the away defeat at Manchester City. We make it five consecutive away wins in the Premier League for the first time since May 2015. Bjarko Saka's goal was the club's 2000th in the Premier League. We are the third team to reach that mark after Manchester United and Liverpool, who did it against Arsenal the previous week. Match Action Premier League, Monday, April 4th, 2022, 8pm, Selhurst Park. Crystal Palace, 3. Mateta, 16. AU, 24. Zaha, 74. Penalty, Arsenal, 0. Stats, Possession, CPFC, 31%. AFC, 69%. Total Shots, CPFC, 6. AFC, 12. Shots on target, CPFC, 5, AFC, 3. Block shots, CPFC, 0, AFC, 1. Offsides, CPFC, 2, AFC, 4. Corners, CPFC, 0, AFC, 2. Tackles, 1, CPFC, 8, AFC, 9. Yellow cards, CPFC, 0, AFC, 2. Red cards, CPFC, 0, AFC, 0. Timeline, 16th minute. Mateta heads home the opener from close in front of goal. 24th minute. AU finishes well from the edge of the area to double the lead. 74th minute. Zaha is fouled in the box by Odegaard and thumps home the penalty. 84th minute. Nicotia hits the bar from 20 yards out. Talking heads, Martin Odegaard. It's hard to say exactly what went wrong. I think it was a lot of things. From the start, we weren't really at the level we're supposed to be at, and a lot of things went wrong, on the ball, off the ball. So it was a really, really bad game from us. Mikel Arteta. Credit to Palace for the way they played and congratulations for winning the game, but too many things went wrong in the first half. We weren't at the races. We weren't physical enough. We didn't compete in many aspects that are so key to earn the right to play the way we want to play here and that put the game into a completely different place from where we wanted. Facts. We have lost consecutive Premier League Monday games for the first time since 2010. Alexandre Lacazette made his 200th appearance for Arsenal. We lost a Premier League London derby by three or more goals for only the fifth time. Teams. Teams For Arsenal Manager Mikel Arteta Red shirts with white sleeves White shorts Red and white hoop socks 1. Ben Leno Goalkeeper 3. Kieran Tierney 4. Ben White 5. Thomas Partey 6. Gabriel 7. Bukayo Saka 8. Martin Odegaard 9. Alexandre Lacazette 10. Emil Smith-Rowe 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu 19. Niklas Pepe 20. Nuno Tavares 23. Albert Sambi Lokonga 
25. Mohamed Elneny. 30. Edian Kitia. 32. Aaron Bramsdale, goalkeeper. 33. Arthur Okonkwo, goalkeeper. 34. Granit Xhaka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 58. Mika Bierth. 61. Mazid Agongbo. 65. Salah Adin Ulad Amhand. 69. Zach Swanson. 75. Zach Awe. 78. Marcello Flores. 82. Omari Hutchinson. 87. Charlie Patino. For Brighton and Hove Albion, manager Graham Potter. Blue and white striped shirt, blue shorts and blue socks. 1. Robert Sanchez, goalkeeper. 2. Tarek Lamptey. 3. Mark Cucciarella. 4. Adam Webster. 5. Lewis Dunk. 8. Yves Sisuma. 9. Neil Mopé. 10. Alexis McAllister. 11. Leandro Trossard. 12. Enoch Mwepu. 13. Pascal Gross. 14. Adam Lalana. 15. Jakub Morde. 17. Stephen Alzate. 18. Danny Welbeck. 20. Solly March. 23. Jason Steele, goalkeeper. 24. Shane Duffy. 25. Moises Caicedo. 28. Hayden Roberts. 34. Joel Veltman. 35. Tudor Baluta. 58. Evan Ferguson. 66. Jeremy Sarmiento. Referee. David Coote. Assistant referees. Ian Hussain. Nick Hopton. Fourth official. Robert Jones. VAR official. Chris Kavanagh. Additional VAR official. Sean Marcielis. Today's other fixtures, 3pm unless stated, Everton vs Manchester United, 12.30pm, Southampton vs Chelsea, Watford vs Leeds United, Aston Villa vs Tottenham Hotspur at 5.30pm. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. No room for racism. New 21 stroke 22 third kit. Available in store and Arsenal Direct. EA Sports FIFA 22. FIFA official licensed product. Powered by Football. Registered trademark. Pre-order now. 3. Registered Trademark www.pegi.info In-game purchases. In-game purchases includes random items. Play has no limits. Copyright 2021. Electronic Arts Inc. Electronic Arts. EA. EA Sports. The EA Sports logo. Ultimate Team. And powered by football are trademarks of Electronic Arts Inc.
official FIFA licensed product. Copyright FIFA and FIFA's official licensed product logo are copyright and or trademarks of FIFA. All rights reserved. Manufactured under license by Electronic Arts Inc. All UEFA Champions League registered trademarks, designs and or copyright of UEFA. All rights reserved. The PlayStation symbol, PlayStation, PS4, PS5 and Play Has No Limit are registered trademarks or trademarks of Sony Interactive Entertainment Inc. Akagera National Park, Rwanda. Your safari awaits. Visit Rwanda, official tourism partner of Arsenal Football Club. Plan your journey at www.visitrwanda.com. Instagram and Twitter at visitrwanda underscore now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.